But uh, let's pray uh, this morning and get into the Word. I believe God just has something for us today. Father God, we love you so very much. God, we can't thank you enough for the cross of Jesus Christ. We can't thank you enough that, God, you so love the world, you sent your Son to die for us. And even though time and time again, God, we, we just fail and fall short. Even after we know the truth, God, we seem to fail and fall short over and over and over again. But God, you are so gracious. God, you continue to draw us near to you. God, you continue to forgive the humble heart, the repentant heart. What an amazing God you are. Lord, that as we go through struggles and trials and tribulations, you're there with us. God, if we go through seasons of lack and loss, you're there with us. God, and even when we fall short, you're still there to pick us up again and again. We don't deserve a God like you. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would just move our, our hearts into a place of greater worship, of deeper appreciation for the glory and the presence of God that is so freely given to each one of us. And if you're in agreement with that this morning, somebody say amen. 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 Don't we have a good God? We really do. Uh, man, just so very uh, good. And uh, this morning we're continuing our series about the journey. And uh, we're following Israel through their wilderness journey in the book of Exodus. And we're soon to wrap up this part of the sermon series. And this morning I want to talk about uh, when you need restoration. Uh, what do you do when you need restoration? We're going to talk about seeking the glory of God. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but uh, without a show of hands, just how many of you can identify that you get in sometimes... We get into these spiritual slumps uh, where we know or we feel like we have less of God than we once did. And, you know, it can happen from a mo- Sunday to a Monday sometimes. It's just like, man, I'm on fire for God. And then just, you know, life happens. It just You just go through life and you just get in those moments where you're spiritually speaking, you feel blah. And, you know, you, you can even feel good about your finances, about your marriage, about everything. But then when it comes to your relationship with God, you kind of think... You know, I just, ah, I didn't do it this week, or I, I don't feel it this last couple of months, or maybe it's been a couple of years uh, since you really felt like that, that burning, that fire, that excitement about the things of God. You know, once, well, maybe you can look back in your life and say, man, I used to like read my Bible, you know, like a beast. I used to just be in prayer, or I used to fast, or I remember when I was just really joyful in worship, or when I didn't struggle with my attitude like I do now, or, or this. And we can look at that, and I tell you what, that happens to me on a regular basis, okay? And so you're not alone. And I want to talk about this morning, what do we do when we, if we've had an encounter with God, we've come out of sin, we've, we're growing in that Christian journey with God through the wilderness, but then we just find moments where we mess up and you've got to make a decision. Am I going to get back up on the horse and how do I re-engage or rebuild and get restored in that relationship with God? And so we, is God with me? And I want to say, if, if I wonder if God's with me, I want to say, God, yes, I want to re-engage in my pursuit with you. So where are you at today? Can you see the presence and feel the presence of God in your life? And uh, what value, what weight do you place on the presence of God in your life? I, w- I really want you to, that is the question of the day. What weight and what value do you place, truly place? Now, we can have a, oh, yeah, of course, that's a good thing, Pastor. That's a good Sunday school answer. But I want you to get serious this morning. What weight, what value 
do you place on the presence of God being activated in your life? You know the word glory, we're going to talk a lot about glory this morning, but the word glory actually means weight. The word glory means uh, the weight, the importance, the majesty of God's visible manifestation to us. It's the weight and the value of His presence, of Him showing up. And so the word glory means uh, the abundant value of His splendor, the abundant value of His brightness, His majesty, His moral virtue, His infinite perfection. And Scripture tells us He's the King of glory, He's the God of glory, and that all glory belongs to Him. And any time God shows up, you know how He shows up? In glory. What value, what glory, what weight, what importance, that's glory, what glory do you see in the presence of God in your life? You know, the Bible even says that God has so much glory, His glory is so powerful, that the value and the importance of God's visible presence, His, His tangible presence, it's so strong, so awesome, so mighty, so powerful that you can't even comprehend it all. The Bible says no man can see the presence of God, the face of God, and live, that you can't even handle the glory that God has. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about? That if you, God even, He's not trying to kill you or anything, but if you, without the blood of Jesus in your life, just saw the glory of God, you would die. That's how awesome. And I don't know, I know y'all look pretty good, but y'all don't look so good that it's killer looks. You know what I mean? That, you know what I'm talking about? We talk about people having killer looks. God actually has killer looks. That He literally has so much glory that we can't comprehend it. Now think about that today. I, I mean, because uh, we go through life and life just happens and things come through your life and you know, I'm focusing on the bills, I'm focusing on my house, I'm focusing on my car, my problems. But that there's a, there's a God up in heaven who has incomprehensible glory. To think about it. We don't see it on a day-to-day basis. It's those moments where you, uh, like uh, last night, I, I went outside in the dark and I was going uh, to get something in the backyard or, or, or and I was on the four-wheeler and it was, it, was, it was night. And I looked up and there's just stars and stars and stars out where I live. Even there's no lights. And you just look up and I was thinking about this sermon today. I was like, God, can I even imagine? I'm like down here looking down on the earth, going through my day-to-day life. And then you press pause, you look up and you're like, oh my gosh. The glory of God. You ever have those moments where you're like, oh yeah, check, reality check. This isn't all the life. This isn't life, real life. This isn't all the world really has to offer. This isn't, this isn't everything. All, my whole life is just going through the motions right now, getting through, trying to survive, have a house, have a job, keep things going on. But then you press pause, you say, God, you're pretty darn big. Right? You ever have those moments? You look at the clouds in the sky, you're like, man, there's a beautiful sunset, beautiful sunrise. The Bible says that He clothes the, the sky, the earth, the, the clouds with His glory. And that's not even all of it. Now, God, the Scripture says in Leviticus that God desired and desires to show His glory to you and me. But how can He do that? So we know today, and John tells us, that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that the glory of God would appear to us in Christ. And Christ comes to restore us, to know Him, to have right relationship with Him, to bring restoration, that you might know His glory and you might give glory to God. Now turn with me in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, if you're there. Exodus chapter 3, or sorry, Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Today, if you want restoration, if you're going through one of those 
pre- those times where you feel God is less in your life or you have a spiritual slump, God's presence has value. And if you have a time in your life where God's presence no longer has the value it once did, all we have to do today, if we want restoration, is to seek to know and seek to serve God. And He's going to reveal His glory through Jesus Christ so you can radiate it to the world. If you want His restoration, you only have to seek to know Him, to serve Him, and He'll reveal His glory through Jesus Christ so you can radiate it to the world. We're going to be in Exodus 33, verse 12, and let me give you the background to it. Here we are this morning. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Okay, very good. We haven't eaten that Thanksgiving turkey yet. Okay, come on. Exodus chapter 33. Here we are. We are at the mountain of God on Mount Sinai. We followed Israel through the wilderness. We've come out of the slavery of Egypt, part of the Red Sea, seen God provide and miracle and manna and water and battle. And God is on our side. And He comes to a mountain and He says, if you want to be my kingdom of priests, my royal priesthood, my holy possession, He says, uh, here's my covenant, here's my commission and my commands. And they say, well, we do want that, but Moses go in our stead because we, don't, we can't handle the glory, the presence of God. It's so awesome. It's fearful. We, we know we still got sin in our lives and we're not ready to go all in just yet. So they wait down on the mountain. Moses goes up 40 days, 40 nights. Israel, what do they do? They are waiting around in, in idol. They're idling. And so what happens in idling? They make an idol. And because they thought God or Moses had left them, he was gone. And even though they saw the presence of God, the glory of God descending on the mountain, they began to worship this graven image, this calf, uh, and as if it was God and began to give glory to it and worship it through man-made religion. And so God comes down, Moses comes down, and they, you know, they rebuke the people, they punish them, and all the people go into mourning. Why? Because God says, from this moment on, while I was going to do this with you, I was going to be in the midst of you. My presence was be in the middle of your camp. I was going to go with you and drive out the enemy and lead you to the promised land. He says, no longer will my presence be with you. I'll not be in the middle of your camp. No longer. No longer. I was going to give you the tabernacle. I was going to give you all these plans that my presence would be in the middle of you. But no longer will I be in the middle of you. Moses is going to have to come outside the camp to talk to me. I'm not going to go up in the middle of this kind of a people. The people mourn, they begin to repent. And he says, but because you've repented, I'm going to send my angel out before you. You can still go to the promised land, but I myself will not go with you. So the people begin to mourn, and they begin to mourn, and they begin to mourn, and they weep. And so Moses, what does he do? He sets up a tent outside of the camp. This is before the tabernacle. And he sets a tent outside uh, outside of the camp where he would go and talk to God face to face just like a friend. And so he goes outside the camp. And when he goes outside to that tent outside the camp, the Spirit of God comes down in the cloud and it goes and God talks to Moses in that tent. And when Moses would leave the tent, the Spirit of God would go up. And Joshua... His, his partner, his, his mentor, his disciple, would go to that tent and he would wait there until God would come back again. Now think about this. This is where we are in Exodus 33. So one day, now this is outside the tent, outside of the camp, Moses says, I'm reading from the New Living this morning, Moses said to the Lord, 
You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. And you've told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. But if it's true that you do look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I can understand you more fully. That Take note of that. Let me know your ways that I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, this nation is your very own people. And then God speaks on the other side. He says, the Lord replied, I will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest, and I will give every, and everything will be fine for you. And then Moses responds. He says, but if you don't go personally with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me on me and your people, if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other nations on the earth. And so God then replies, And the Lord said to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Isn't that the grace of God? And Moses responded to one thing. He says, Then show me your glorious presence then show me your glory now Moses is asking Moses is one of the most humble guys on the face of the earth the Bible says and so Moses isn't boldly asking this he's humbling he's begging God how can we go from this place if not with your presence God I'm going outside the camp to meet with you I'm longing for your presence and and how can we do that so Moses and God have this exchange and God tells Moses okay the next morning Come outside to, or go up to the mountain with me. Bring up some t- stones. I'm gonna, you're going to rewrite the Ten Commandments on those. And he says, I'm going to put you uh, on a rock. And you're going to stand on this rock. But I'm going to show you my glory. But you can't handle all of me. And you tell that to somebody sometime. You can handle all this, right? right that's an attitude thing. But with God, it's the glory stuff, okay? He says, you can't handle all of me. So I'm going to put my hand apart over you. I'm going to push you back in the cleft of the rocks and then I'm going to walk by you and then you can see me from behind. All right. And so God does that and God shows up and he Moses actually sees a visible manifestation of God's glory. Fire comes down and cloud and everything. And Moses is there and he's terrified and humbled. He bows down. He sees God pass by and then God says something. He says a deeper revelation of himself and he tells him, he says, who am I? I'm God. I'm compassionate, gracious, patient, a loving God who forgives sin, but punishes the guilty. Moses got a new revelation of God. I'm going to give you three things this morning about seeking God's glory, seeing God's glory and shining God's glory. If you're with me, somebody say amen. Okay, so what just happened in this story? Because it's a pretty awesome story. Uh, and it, this has never happened to me in my life before. I've never seen God come in a cloud and, and just power and glory come down in awe and majesty and put me in a cliff and a rock. But what is this dialogue with Moses and God? It inspires me to ask myself the question, Heath, are you seeking the glory of God? Am I seeking and am I reaching for the glory of God? Because That's what Moses wanted more than anything else. Now think about this. It's so very easy today to be tempted by the glory of this world. You think about it this way. Adam and Eve forsook the glory of God for some forbidden fruit, for doing things their own way. Uh, Israel forsook the glory of God for man-made religion and doing things their own way. Even the devil tempted Christ for the glory of this world if he'd bow down to him. 
So how much more do I think I have some issues with finding the glory in the wrong places? If it happened to Adam and Eve, it happened to Israel, it happened even the, the devil even did it to Jesus himself. How much more do I struggle with giving glory to the wrong thing? What does the word glory mean? Remember, it means weight or value. The weight or value you place on the presence of God. The weight or value you place on the presence of God. How much more am I tempted by earthly glory? What is it that I glorify? The, uh, in Hebrew, there's a phrase this, to give glory to God. And you know what it actually means? It actually means uh, to confess my sins as if I'm an imposter and to put the value back on God. So when I say, hey, brother, give glory to God, I'm actually saying to that person, hey, you should recognize you're a sinner and that God's most valuable than anything. So, sometimes you, you have a problem with somebody else. You just say, hey, give glory to God. They don't have a clue what you're saying. You know, hey, give glory to God. No, it's recognizing that I'm an imposter, that I don't have the most value, that this situation, this circumstance in my life, oh, you know, I'm complaining about my finances. Hey, give glory to God. Recognize God is more valuable than your finances. Hey, you got a problem in your body. Give glory to God. God is more valuable than my pain, than my healing, than my, my physical problems. God's more valuable. God's more important. God's more special. God's more awesome than the situation I'm going through. So you say, God, uh, I'm struggling with this. Give glory to God. God's more valuable, more important, more weighty, more, uh, He's bigger than all things. God's worth more than my house, my car, my money, my health, and even my family. So I say, God, are you most glorified in my life? How do we receive, though, this, this revelation of God's glory? You know, James chapter 4 tells us if we draw near to God, He'll draw near to us. But there's a condition on this in James. It says that those who truly repent humble themselves. And it says if they humble themselves in the presence of the Lord, He'll lift them up. That's the presence of God. That's the glory part. So he says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. That's if you humble yourself in his presence. That's when the glory of God comes down. That's what Moses did. If you're seeking God's glory today, I'm going to give you three things in this first point. Seeking God's glory. How do you receive God's glory? How do you get to that place where you are longing for God's glory? There's three things Moses did. Number one was this. He valued God's glorious presence. Number one is he valued God's glorious presence. He realized there is no substitute. Let me tell you, there is no substitute for the presence of God on this earth. You can't find it in drugs. You can't find it in alcohol. You can't find it in a person. You can't find it in pornography. You can't find it in relationships or a job or career or finances or self-security. You can't find anything more valuable on this earth than the presence of God. Amen? You with me this morning? If nothing else is going to satisfy that hole in your heart but the presence of God. That's why so many people go to psychologists for years, and that's my background. So many go to psychologists for years, and they're trying to fill these holes with these things. They talk, and they talk at $100 an hour for decades, never finding anything. Because what they're looking for should be the presence of God. So the first thing we should do as a church is, number one, do we value? That means, do you glorify God's presence. Moses repeatedly begged God, don't send us from this place. Why? He didn't think an angel was a good enough substitute for the presence of God. 
God said, I'll send you an angel out before you, but I'm not going to go with you. He said, no, 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 God, if you don't go with us. He says it's basically, this is how he sums it up. Moses was basically saying, God, it's better for me to lie down here and die than to go another step. Do I have that much value in the presence of God that if I got to a place in my life where I felt like, God, me and you aren't just kosher, we're not doing just great, I'd say, God, I'm not, I'm not leaving this altar. I'm not leaving this little prayer moment in my car. God, I'm not even going to go into work today because I don't feel like I have enough presence of God to walk through those doors to my office. Or God, I don't feel like I can go inside my house and deal with this, this spouse or my children today because... God, I can't take another step unless I have this presence from you. Do we get to those? I mean, are we at that place where we see the value of God, not just in an altar call, but that in my life, in my daily life, God, I'm about to have an important decision. Lord, I'm about to make an important decision in my business or my job or my life or my family that we'd say, God, I can't go another step. I'm not going to make a single decision. I'm not going to talk to this person or that person, God, until... I know your glory, that I know the value, God, of your glorious presence. Matthew Henry, a great commentator, he said, If you know the value of God's glory, then you're, repaired, uh, then you're prepared to receive it. You can't receive something you don't have value or know what you're looking for, right? If you, if you, if you say, God, you know, I just, I just press pause just for a minute. There was a day when churches and people knew the value of God's presence. That day is not today in America. There was a day where churches did not have to be hyped up to worship God. There was a day where we didn't need uh, beautiful songs and slideshows and fog machines and lights and comfortable air and conditioning and flooring and, and roofs for some people. There are people around the world that just value God's presence. They will walk 100 miles through bad terrain just to go to church. Because they know the value of God. Think about that today. That should somber us a little bit. Sober us up and say, God, do I really know the value of the presence of God? Do I truly glorify the presence of God? So that's where Moses was. So he's in that camp. He says, God, I know the value of God. I'm not taking another step, God. You can kill me now. I'm not leading this people a single more day if you don't go with this. You just kill me. And so he says, that's the first part. He says, number two, seek to know God. Moses asked to know God's ways and to know Him. And so he says, God, I want to know You. I want to serve You better. And so Moses was at that place. He's missing this great communion. He had that experience with God on the mountain. Uh, and he's like, God, I desire that relationship that I had with You that one time. You know, and you can go through those things in your life today. Maybe there was a, a, a summer camp you went to as a kid. Or maybe there was that great altar call, that revival services. Or maybe it was a great prayer time you had alone with God. And you say, God, I felt You before and I want to feel You again. Anybody ever been in that place before? I say, you've got those mountain moments with God. You say, God, I've, I've felt you before. There was that time on the altar or that time you healed me or that, God, that time you provided for my family or, God, you restored our marriages or you restored my relationships. God, I seek to know you. So he says, God, I've met you before, but I want to know you more. And so not only is it valuing God's presence, number one, it's seeking to know more of God. And then he goes on in number three, he says, but that wasn't just enough. That wasn't just enough. Moses was not just satisfied. He says, okay, Moses, I'll go with you. 
Moses, it's going to be fine with you. God, and so God's like, all right, thank you for your heart, Moses. I know you want to know me, and I appreciate you, brother. You're not like these crazy people over here. I love you. And Moses like, could have totally took him up on the offer. He says, it's going to be well for you, Moses. Let's go. Moses is like, no, 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 God. If you don't go with us, don't take me from this place. Think of this. God would have started over with Moses, but the reason Moses got to see the glory of God, the reason God came in a new revival in Moses' life is he said, God, I'm interceding for these people. So many times we come to the altar, I think, uh, in the modern church today, and we pray with a selfish heart, good things. We pray good things with a selfish heart. God, I want you to do this in my life, but it really is more more for me. and I go to the altar, and God, I want revival, I want the Holy Spirit, but it's really more of like a, I'm just to be honest, when I grew up, going to the altar for the Holy Spirit was more about you than it was about the lost. I think it, the, well, I don't know if it was the, the, it wasn't the sermons that were coming out that way, but it's just, that's how we interpret it, that's how I interpret it. You go down there, you speak in tongues, you jump up and down, you get a, a blessing from God, and then, then Monday comes, and then you do it all again the next Sunday night. But Moses is saying, God, I want more of you. I want to know you. I want your glory to be in this place uh, because I want to be able to lead these people out of this place. I want your people to make it. Am I seeking God's glory just for me or for others to know him and live? So three things to seeking God's glory Moses did. He said he knew the value of it. He sought to know God and know him more, and he wanted to pray for others. And that allowed God to get to a place where Moses was seeking his glory that he got to the next level, which was seeing God's glory. God heard Moses' heart, and this is the response God's been waiting for, and so he grants Moses his request, and God shows up. Moses gets this new presence of God in his life. He gets this new revelation of who God is, a merciful and gracious and compassionate, uh, slow to anger kind of God who's forgiving and just. And Moses sees the glory of God in a new way. What do you and I need today to get to that next level with God? You know, I think I struggle sometimes. Uh, it's the culture that we live in, and I fight it on a, on a regular weekly basis, is to settle for what I have with God. It's ironic because we never settle for things in this world. We always want the next car, the next gun, the next toy, the next four-wheeler, the next thing, the next pair of shoes, the next purse, the bigger house, the bigger car. Blah, blah, blah. We always want more in this world. But how come we don't do that with God? Think about it. Why do we settle for God? That was a good church service, Pastor. And we go home. But is there this longing? To say, God, I, I'm not satisfied. To know that there is the array of glory that God has in the universe. And I've only tapped into a little bit. Of it. And there's never enough of God. You know what I'm saying? There's never, you're never gotten to that place where you're like, you're doing pretty good with God. No, you're not. If you ever say that, you know, I'm pretty good with God. No, you're not. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the killed word right there. You think you're doing good, you're probably not. It's that Moses is humble and he says, God, I just saw you with flames and fire on the mountain and carved the Ten Commandments with your own hands. And then you told me you'd go with me and I'd be fine. But Moses wasn't satisfied with that. He says, no, God, I want your presence to come down and take over my whole congregation, my whole church, my whole family, my whole community. God, that you would just move. And God said, that's what I'm waiting for. 
so I'll show you my glory. And Moses saw God in a new way. You know, today, First John or John chapter one, verse 14 says, you and I can see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. You know, we might think about mountaintop experiences being this awesome thing and where we would, man, I've never had a mountaintop experience like that with God. But God gave you and I something better today. Listen to me. When God gave Jesus Christ, He gave the most glory you could handle. Think of this. It wasn't going to be in a strong firestorm. It wasn't going to be in a mighty thunderstorm. It was just like Elijah. It wasn't going to be in anything. It was going to be in a baby in a manger who would die on a cross and come back again as king king of glory. The most glory you can get from God is to get a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. You don't need a mighty windstorm. You don't need a mass altar call where the flames of fire come out of the pastor's hands or he spits all over you or whatever people are looking for today. You need a deeper revelation of who God is through Jesus Christ. There's so many waves of doctrine, so many things happening in this world today. But if I can figure out that I can see the glory of God through Jesus Christ, who is the first uh, John 14 or John 1 14 says he's glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. The Bible says that Christ is the glory of God's light. He is the salvation to the world. And I can know and see Jesus Christ any day, any week, any hour. Any minute, Jesus Christ can show up to me. And that Christ, just like a Moses, interceded for me to have the presence of God, just like that Moses who interceded for his people, Christ, even though knew that we deserved God's wrath because we'd made our own graven images, even though I failed yesterday and failed the day before that, and I can fail and fail and fail, even though I did that, Christ intercedes for me continually before the Father so I can know him. And I can stand up on the rock today, which is Jesus Christ, just like Moses stood up on the rock in that mountain. And God can clothe me and cover me. And, and, and I, the thing, the, I, what, what I can see of God, just like Moses got to see that pass by, God's presence pass by, I can see Jesus Christ. I can look at His Word. I can pray. I can feel His Holy Spirit. I can, I can sense the presence of God in a room like this today because Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He gave the Holy Spirit to those who asked for it. And it says that when He comes back, you and I are going to see an eternal glory in heaven and you're going to see God's full glory when Christ is revealed again. The Bible says that Christ will come on that white horse as the King of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This may may or may not make sense to many people today. But God has glorious riches prepared to shine upon you in eternity. And He's prepared and given given you a way today for those who are willing to seek it, who would value His presence, who'd seek to know Him, who'd be willing to pray selflessly, that you'd be able to see God's glory today. How do you see God's glory? I'm praying for us to have a deeper revelation of God through Christ. I'm praying for our churches in this parish, in this region, to see God's glory in His Word, to see His love. I'm praying for us to ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us and He'd be given. But it comes with those who are ready, with longing hearts, who value His glory and are praying selflessly. And then it says God's glory will shine down. Think about it this way. Moses, when he comes down the mountain after that great encounter, I'm going to close with this. 
after he comes out with that great encounter with God, he sees, man, God, I've, I've sought you, I've longed you, I've put value in your glory and your presence. God, I'm praying with a selfless, selfless heart. It's not just for me, it's for others. God, I'm, I just long for more of you, and I want you more than anything in my life. And so he says, God, right, Moses, here you go, show you my glory. Moses comes off the mountain, the Bible says that his face radiated. Literally, his face glowed with the glory of God, so much so that he had to put a veil over it because it just scared people to death. When I have an encounter with God today, if you today have seen Jesus Christ, have you been changed by him? How much today do you radiate the glorious presence of God? When people see my attitude in my workplace, or they see me, or my wife, or my husband, my spouse, my kids, do they see the radiation of God's glorious presence in my life? Because let me tell you, if you really encounter Jesus, you will be changed by Him. If you've truly been touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit, you can't be the same. And it's not just a woohoo, aha moment on a mountain. It's that when you come back off the mountain, what really matters is are you shining like Jesus? Amen? It's the presence of God that makes us the people of God. It's getting to that place in my life where I can say, God, how can you forgive a sinner just like me? How can you favor me with such grace? That's what the people were mourning. And I'll leave you with this. Oswald Chambers wrote, he says, Each person has as much of God as he wants. God's already come. He's given you the fullness of His glory in Jesus Christ. However much you have of God right now, that's how much you really want. You know, and I'm not satisfied with that. I really want more of God. I want to be like Joshua. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, actually. Joshua, when God's presence came down outside the tent, outside the camp, he stayed there. The Bible says that Moses would come and got outside. The, they couldn't have the presence of God in the midst anymore. So Moses went outside the camp. God's presence would come down. Moses would leave. God's presence would leave. And Joshua so longed for the presence of God to come back that he waited there. He waited at the tent. What if God come back before no one? If Moses is gone, I want to be here. If God came back right now. I think God's looking for a generation this last days that says, God, I don't see you moving in, in America like you once did. I don't see the, the waves of the Holy Spirit moving. I don't see God mass revival happening. I don't, see, I don't see the signs and wonders. I don't see healings and miracles like we once did. God, I don't see prophetic words or, or people baptizing the Holy Spirit like we once did. I don't see you speaking in dreams and visions, God, like you once did. Are we willing to wait outside the tent to say, God, please, please, Send your presence back to our church. Please, God, please send your presence back to our community. God, we want to see you in the midst of us. And we want to go from this place and radiate God's glory. Every head bowed, every heart closed. Worship team, would you come? Do you need restoration today?